Hey everybody, welcome to It Never Rains on this podcast. I'm Hithliday. I'm the managing editor for Addicted to Quack. It's a website. Joining me this week is one of the great ADQ writers, Tristan Holmes. How you doing? I'm doing all right, Hyth. I'm already noticing that it's taking until 5.30 rather than 5 for the sun to go down. So that's making me feel good. Uh, yeah, d- d- days are getting longer. Um, uh, Slowly but surely. <laughs> you've been writing up a storm uh for the site you know this is an interesting time for uh oregon sports because like everything's going on simultaneously um uh we are you know the 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 football you know transfers are are going on uh you know every different you know the the winter sports are still going the spring sports are starting up um and so uh everybody's writing about everything um uh, you've covered, well, let's start out with baseball. Um, uh, baseball started up this week. They went down to Arlington, Texas, uh, and took on a bunch of truck stop schools. Um, uh, three different ones they took on, uh, uh, let's see if I can remember them. They took on, uh, Texas A&M, Texas Tech, and Baylor. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't think in that order, you covered the Baylor game. Um, which I don't think was the first game. I think it was the second game uh, that they played in Rangers Stadium. Um, it was kind of a thriller. Uh, uh, Baylor started out, I want to say like three to zero or four to zero. It got um, all the way to four to zero before uh, Oregon got their first run in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, it, it, you know, I, I think probably what we're going to wind up talking about throughout the season is, well, I sort of, I, I feel like this game, not to give too much away about what we're going to be talking about all season long, but hell, it was what we talked about last season. Um, but like, I'll, I'll, I'll just go ahead and do it. Uh, Oregon's got Oregon bats very well. Um, mm-hmm. they, they lost uh, some uh, of their batters to the pros, um, but they retained a lot of them and they took a couple of transfers and uh, uh, all things considered, uh, you know, it appears from, you know, they've only played three games, but it appears they still got the bats. You know, Oregon's, I think, one of the most fearsome teams in the country. They were last year, and it appears it, uh, they they remain one of the most fearsome teams in the country uh, in, in terms of batting. Um, just... And when I say that, I don't just mean, you know, small ball, although they, they, they play decent small ball. And I don't just mean uh, the athletic advantage that most Oregon teams across all sports have. Um, you know, we, we talk about this with the softball team as well. 
Um, but that like, Hey man, once they get on base, they're stealing bases, you know, they're, they're, you know, it's not a bunch of like fat asses sluggers, you know, who like, you know, have to chug it to get to first base. Like they are, it's not a bunch of, you know, late career Babe Ruth's out there. Who's kind of huffing and puffing as they trot to second base. Yeah. They are, they are really challenging your fielders, you know? Um, but frankly most importantly of the four like of the four quadrants of play in uh in the diamond sports baseball and softball you know being a a power hitting um base running you know the two offensive quadrants uh and then the two defensive quadrants you know being pitching and fielding uh the most important is power hitting mm-hmm. um, because it's the only one that can dig you out of a hole. Um, everything else is dependent on other things, right? Like you can't base run until you get on base. Right. Uh, and fielding is like defense is always secondary to offense. Mm-hmm. Um, because like, it doesn't matter how good your pitching is. Your pitching can't put points on the board. Like it's not even like football where the defense can score, you know, like you def- defense can't score in baseball or softball. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and, and pitching is more important than fielding because pitching will prevent the ball from ever getting into play. Um, whereas fielding just like limits the damage once the ball is in play. So like order of priority is power hitting then, uh, you know, and then probably like a tie between pitching and base running and then fielding is last place. And and so like, I love the fact that Oregon has like athletic advantages when it comes to base running and fielding, but frankly, they're the least important things. Like the, the, the most important things are pitching and, and power hitting, but guess what? Oregon is also really good at power hitting. Um, and they continue to be in this game and, the the logic of what I just expressed where like power hitting will dig you out of a hole. Like, yeah, that's what happened in this game, right? Oregon goes down zero to four and then they slug their way out of it. Okay. I, I've been talking for a while. Dice it. Did I lie? Did I say anything you disagreed with? Uh, you absolutely did not, and I'm actually very happy you laid that out in, I thought, a very clear explanation, because I can remember, I remember when I was growing up, I had a, a friend who was more of a baseball fan than I was, and this was back in the early 90s, and he always operated, probably his dad had told him this at some point, that pitching is more important than hitting. That was just mm. a mantra at some point, but I mean, as, pitching is what's going to win you a championship in the sense that like pitching is like high, high quality pitching is scarcer than high quality hitting. And so like, if I'm a manager and I have the opportunity to add one more great pitcher or one more great batter, if I'm if I'm already loaded in my bullpen and I'm already loaded in my batter's box and I have the opportunity to add one more great 
one or the other. I'm definitely taking one more pitcher because it's harder to find one more great pitcher. Mm-hmm. But like, no, offense is always more valuable than defense. What are you nuts? Like <laughs> de- defense can't put points on the board. Yeah, and as you say, in the diamond sports, the defense can't even gener- help you generate offense. In football, defense gives you field position. In basketball, you can score in transition or get additional possessions. Uh, your your defense can't get you additional at-bat opportunities in the diamond yeah. sports. It just stops your opponent from scoring. So the great thing is that Oregon has has the power hitting, as you've said. What we found last year, and I'm sure this is going to lead into the discussion we're going to be having this year, is that they've got that locked down. And like a lot of Oregon sports teams, not just the football team with all the NIL money, most of the other teams recruit pretty well, too. They've got the athletes that can run on base and they can chase down uh, balls in the field. So what does this team need to get to the next step? Well, now you got to nail down that pitching that's really going to take you over the top. And last year, it's probably going to be the same story every year, you know? Yeah. And last year, I remember I wasn't writing for the site at the time, but I was still following the site. And the conversation was Oregon has a lot of pitchers they're at least willing to put on the mound. And you can, you know, hope someone's got a hot hand, but you don't have what the truly elite teams do, which is two or three aces who you can count on to give you a quality start almost every game. And so this, this was a game against Baylor that I covered where the power hitting Doug Oregon out of a hole. They were a little, they were slow at first and Baylor was able to get their runs in, but then Baylor's, entered that part of the game where it's, eh, do we pull the starter now or do we, do we wait it out? And Oregon took advantage of that. Their, their bats got going. Uh, I'm looking at the stats here. It doesn't look like anyone actually got a home run, but there were a lot of doubles. They got the RBIs in, in the fifth and sixth innings. And that was the final score. Cause once Baylor and Oregon both went to their bullpens, no one could score after that. After the, after the seventh inning stretch, there were no more runs batted in. Yeah, but, you know, you're right. It is sort of, it is a combination of Oregon. I mean, really what happens more than anything else is that, you know, a setter, you know, Oregon's starting pitcher, you know, he 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 pitches four innings. He gives up four runs on five hits. Yeah. Um, You, you know, he walks one you know, three earned runs, uh, you know, but his, you know, his ERA is six, seven, five, just like, yeah. ouch, dude. <laughs> um, and then the rest of the way, Oregon gives up nothing, right? Like Mullen gives up nothing. He gives up mm-hmm. one hit and, and strikes out four in two in, in, in two innings pitched, right? Like Jordan gives up, you know, nothing and hit you know he gets two strikeouts in his inning he, uh, mercado uh shuts it down in the final two innings and gets three strikeouts um right so like i mean this is sort of a continuation of last year in which it's just like you know their bullpen i didn't really think had anybody who was like an absolute killer 
in it, mm-hmm. um, including the guy who went to the pros, who was, you know, their closer, uh, 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 you know, Josh Malaris, who like I would watch him pitch and like I thought he had a lot of heat on his ball, but all I thought he had was a lot of heat. Like I didn't really think he was in control of his pitch at all. Um, but like, you know, he would be in positions where, you know, because of Oregon's bats, uh, you know, the ducks would be up by enough that like teams would have to swing at his heat. And that's a, that's a good way to get strikes. Um, and I don't know, that's a way like baseball's kind of, it's, it's a funny game in that, like your offense can help your, your defense in that way. Like by being up late, you can force your opponent into desperation mode and to swing at pitches that they wouldn't otherwise swing at. And they can make your closer look better than he really is. And in my opinion, that's why, yeah, man, I just really like, I, I hate to dump on a duck, but like, I really didn't think that Josh Malaris was a good pitcher at all, mm. but his stats looked great and his heat looked great. But I mean, he was throwing half of his pitches like into the stands, into the dirt. Like he was just not in control, but, but people were swinging at that stuff anyway, because they had to, they were, they were down by like two runs in the ninth inning you know but that's the mechanics that's that's the math of baseball if you're down in the ninth inning you got to swing away like yeah you got to go down swinging there's a reason that that's in the uh that's an idiom in the language (laughs) yeah so anyway yeah like you know i just spent a lot of time talking about like slugging is the most important thing but like hats off to mullen and jordan mercado they gave up nothing yeah. And they got they gave up nothing in the final five frames of the game, um, which, yeah, you know, uh, two hits, no runs in five innings, you know, across three pitchers. But anyway, like, yeah, that 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 that, that was the point that I was going to make. And, and like, it's true across the other two games that they played in Arlington as well, where it's just like this fire hose of pitchers where it's like their bullpens got like 12 dudes in it. And like every one of them pitches like two innings. They're all like two innings and done, you know, like that's, and like, you know, last year they were all freshmen. Well, this year they're all sophomores, but like, it doesn't look like it's changed. You know, it it really just sort of looks like, well, our only the, the only trick that we've got is that we've got a lot of them and that we can keep them fresh by only having them pitch like two innings every game. Um, and like maybe, and we'll have some starters, but like in two of these three games, you know, uh, against Baylor and against Texas tech, you know, the game that they lost, you didn't cover that one, but I mean, I think both of us watched it like, you know, the starter just gives up a, a, a ton of runs in the first couple of innings. Because, like, I kind of feel, oh, spoiler alert, for the rest of the season, like, Oregon probably doesn't have a killer starter in their bullpen. 
Probably not. Again, that's the impression I got. I haven't been following this team uh, as closely as you have the past couple of years. I'm following them more closely because they have the opportunity to write for the site. But again, especially in the Texas Tech game, I mean, your your starter gives up a six run second inning. And we right. we talked about how, you know, power hitting can dig you out of a hole. Man, I mean, they almost sense. dug themselves out of the hole in that game. Well, I will talk about it. whoever wrote about it. I forget who wrote about that. That game up, I think it was Badwater. Like, I, we'll talk about it when he's on the podcast. But it was like I th- that one really came to, like Jacob Walsh. Really, it was kind of surprising. Like he was in multiple at bats. You know, Oregon had like multiple guys in you know runners in scoring position and he was in a position where like if that guy could clear the bases Oregon would have won that game and then he just struck out and he was like 0 for 5 at the at the plate in that game but like more importantly he was like 0 for 3 in situations where like he could have hit the game winning home run oh yeah you know it's just like which is crazy because like he's like i just finished talking about like you know slugging is the most important thing in the world and like jacob walsh is like the slugger of the team Mm -hmm. um and he really i mean i mean he he you know he scored a run in this game um so you know good for him i, I don't i'm not ready to pronounce him on a, in, in in a slump yet but like uh um yeah anyway i'll talk about that game later um but it was definitely the case that oregon bat batted themselves out of trouble in this game um y- you know that that fifth and sixth inning uh uh you know was excellent like they uh you know you're right it took a you know in the fourth inning they got in a run you know uh you know apodaca you know hit a triple uh into center field you know which uh which 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 he didn't wind up you know they wound up stranding him him but uh uh uh, um you know somebody else uh or or, i'm sorry i'm reading off the baylor it it was uh brent thompson who uh uh who who hit in in rbi and he he pushed in a casella after he singled in um uh uh so, so, you know, so, so they started out on the, you know, in the fourth and finally like broke the seal. And then in the fifth, you know, it was like, I mean, it's just classic Oregon slugging, right? You know, it's like, uh, uh, you know, uh, Jacob Walsh, you know, hit a double, uh, you know, and then Casella, who was, you know, one of the transfers that I mentioned, right, you, you know, and turns out, you know, Turns out Oregon transfers can, you know, bat as well as the rest of them, right? Mm-hmm. So he immediately comes on, hits a single, you know, and 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 pushes Smith home, uh, and then Hurd, you know, hits a single uh, and, and pushes uh, 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 Casella, and then you know Walsh comes around and scores, you know. So that's you know that's three, uh, and then the sixth inning, you know, it's basically identical, right? You know, uh, uh, you know Neville hits a hits a double, uh, and then you know Cooney singles pushes him home garotti hits a single which you know and then there's a throwing error and that's what i was talking about earlier is like oregon has a you know athletic advantage so that if like oops you committed a throwing error where oregon's going to take multiple extra bases you know on 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 any sort of like throwing errors that you commit um which happens all over that i mean that was definitely a through line throughout all three of the arlington games is that like throwing errors would occur and Oregon 
just it was automatic yeah. automatic that oregon would get extra bases on you know any sort of throwing error which you know it's not it's not that unusual for first of all it's not that unusual for the throwing errors to occur and it's not that unusual for teams to get an extra base on a throwing error what's unusual and what Oregon should be commended for, and what I'm talking about is in terms of the athletic advantage, is the fact that it's automatic. Like mm-hmm. there is no such thing. Like I in in three years, in the last three years, or basically since Waz took over, uh, I have I have not seen. Like I can't even remember uh, it, it occurring where there's been. A, you know, uh, the, the opponent commits a defensive throwing error and, uh, and Oregon didn't, you know, take advantage of it. You know, where the guy was just like, Oh, I don't think I can make it. And he was like, nah, he's gone. He's, he's, he's got a, you know, or, or he gets beat, you know, like he tries to take something, he gets greedy and he can't, he doesn't, you know, he Count doesn't on the run the throw. Yeah. Yeah. He, he doesn't have the wheels, you know, you know, his, his wheels can't back up, you know, what is, you know, his greed, like, nah, nah, <laughs> not the case. Um, and then Smith comes back around. Like that's how good the bats are is, you know, Smith scored in the fifth and he comes back around and he hits the single for the RBI to, to get the, you know, the, the seventh run, um, you know, to, to push Grotty home. Um, so like, you know, yeah. Um, uh, you know, the bats. Yeah. yeah. And it just goes to show the, uh, the depth of batting power that this team has. Cause as you say, Smith go, we go all the way around the batting order where at one point Smith got on base and, uh, and got home and then he comes around and, uh, and brings Garotti home. Right. So it, it's, it's up and down the batting order that you're seeing productivity. You're not relying on just a few players to try and generate your offense. Yeah. I like, I, I believe after three games, you know, every single player in or- Oregon's batting lineup is batting above 270. I'd have to double check that, uh, frankly, but it's something like that, you know, and I expect that to continue. Like, I, there's not, there isn't a hole in the lineup, it, you know, like you don't, you don't get a break um, when, when, if you're the opposing pitcher, like, you know, frankly, I think actually the guy with the lowest batting average at this point is Jacob Walsh. Jacob Walsh is the guy that I would least want to face as a pitcher because that uh, just knowing what I know about him from from the past. Uh, I mean, not so far in the three games this season, um, but just what I know about him in the past, because that's the guy who's the threat to go yard. Mm-hmm. You know, that dude, that dude can really slug it. Um, and I mean, that's sort of the reason why he's getting strikeouts is that he's trying, you know, for it. Um, yeah, you don't get a break or there, there's no like, oh, good. I'm in the bottom of the lineup, the seven, eight, nine or something. I can take a, you know, the, the Oregon seven, eight, nine is Neville Cooney Garotti who are all batting like close to 300. Like you don't get a break. Like, Mm-mm. yeah. And, and yeah. 
So, uh, the, you know, the baseball team is very, uh, was very productive in Arlington. Even the game that they lost, you know, like I said, they were in, you know, they, they, they batted in a bunch of runs. It was just that they gave up a six run second inning and that's what doomed them. Um, and they were in multiple points in a position where, you know, they just one swing of the bat and they win the game. Um, uh, you know, so, so I, you know, I really, I, 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 you know, with the risk of spoiling stuff, uh, I really feel like the baseball team this year is going to look like a kind of a carbon copy of, of, of last year in which it was like, yeah, the bats will get them out of any problem that they've, you know, that they might be into. And the question is just whether or not, you know, the pitching is, how well the pitching is going to hold up given they probably don't have an ace you know isaac aon for the second straight year is going to miss the entire year and so you know it's just going to be the shotgun approach to pitching and we'll just see it's going to be you know it's going to be like oregon football in 2015 Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, yeah, it, it, it's going to be a lot of exciting games. We'll see how many of them yeah. uh, come down on the right side on the scoreboard. Uh, you, you got you got Vernon, you got Vernon Adams at quarterback and you got Don Pelham and uh, coordinating the defense. You yeah. know, it's yeah. <laughs> All right, let's take a break. When we come back. We'll talk some softball. So you got an uh, interesting draw um, uh, for the softball games that you wrote up. Uh, you wrote up two from the Clearwater uh, tournament and two from the uh, San Diego tournament. Let's start out with the two you wrote up uh, in the, the Clearwater tournament, the NFCA uh, opener. Um <laughs> the 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 first one you wrote up was uh missouri state the the bears not the tigers yes um uh uh this was uh, this was oregon's first easy game they, they started i'll back up real quick they started against indiana which is it was an unranked team but that was probably a mistake Indiana by whoever is doing the ranking because Indiana is probably going to be a real good team this year. Um, and so it was like, you know, they lost to Indiana, but like, damn, Indiana looks like a really good team. Um, like Indiana was probably the second best team of the tournament. Um, uh, uh, so then they take on Missouri state. And they just destroyed Missouri State. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, really the only drama in this one was, are we going to get a walk-off Grand Slam? Uh, yeah. <laughs> we, we didn't quite get that. We did get oh, a run so close. It was so close. I oh, know. I that, it so bad. Uh, it, the bases were loaded. There were multiple outs. It would have been the perfect way to end it. Didn't didn't quite happen that way. But, uh, but four runs at... at uh, near the end and run ruled this pretty quick. So that, that game was over pretty quickly. The, the, yeah. Okay. There's two storylines. There, well, they're the most basic storylines in, in, in any diamond sport, but like, I'll talk about them anyway, which is the batting and the pitching. Uh, Mm -hmm. uh, 
but there are two storylines and, and this game touches on both of them um storyline number one is the batting uh the the story of the softball team this year is that they brought this is the last hurrah of basically the the squad that's been with missy lombardi since she took over the team um from from mike white you know when 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 you know uh back you know the the basically the year before covid when mike white you know said to rob mullins i i want to raise and rob mullins says you kept losing in the world series uh you know take a hike and he said okay and went to texas um and then he hired missy lombardi from oklahoma uh and then all the players went with uh white to texas so lombardi had to construct this entire roster like i'm not even joking like like from scratch like pretty much from scratch it was this roster so this group and then COVID happened which meant like all of these players are like super seniors and like you know they lose like I don't know, one or two every year because a couple of were transfers and they were operating on like limited eligibility. But like, you know, you were talking about, you know, the core of this group, you know, Ariel Carlson, Alyssa Daniel, you know, Hannah Delgado, uh, KK Humphreys, Valerie Wong, you know, Tay Bird, uh, the Luchar sisters, Paige Sinicki, um, I'm, I'm forgetting a couple. And then a couple, you know, who came in later, but who have been, you know, just like essential to the team, like Stevie Hansen, the pitcher, who was like the hero of the 2022 season. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, this is like this group in version six of the, you know, Lombardi era has, this is their last hurrah. Like, and like, like we were talking about with the baseball team, like their, their prowess at the plate has been, you know, what's while the pitching has been up and down as they have gone through, uh, tumult in the bullpen. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, what's kept them alive in a very competitive Pac 12. Like the Pac 12 is definitely the strongest softball conference. The SEC thinks it is, and they send like 13 out of 14 teams to the to the um to, to the regionals every year and then they lose all of their games in the regionals because it's a super overrated conference and yeah, the pack any sec teams even make it to super regionals last year maybe two or three i mean no i mean a couple it did but multiple yeah. sec teams who were regional hosts got beat yeah um you know, it's the it's totally overrated as a softball conference, including Oregon beating their regional host like mm-hmm. Oregon was one of the like you know prime examples of a Pac-12 is just better than the SEC like there should have been more or uh Pac-12 teams that were admitted into the postseason and fewer SEC teams and like exhibit a for that was Oregon running their SEC host out of their own ballpark um so anyway um yeah the pac-12 is super competitive and the fact that like oregon was like i don't know the fourth or fifth best team in it 
and was still like the, you know, number 10 team in the country. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, and the reason why they were uh, in that position is because of their batting. And just like in baseball, like we were talking about, like the athletic advantages they have where you can't beat, like you're not getting any sort of advantage, uh, 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 athletic advantages that they, they, they base run very well. They play small ball very well. And conversely, you're not getting an inch versus Oregon's fielding, right? Like you ain't stealing bases against this team. You know, you, you ain't you know, beating the throw, right? Like the, 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 these, these players are athletes, you know, they're, they're athletes through and through. Um, so, you know, that's it, despite that's, what's keeping them, you know, competitive in a hyper competitive league, despite problems in the bullpen in which they lose their best pitcher and then they lose their best pitcher again and then they lose another one of their best pitchers when UCLA steals her after an injury in what was like real cheap out of UCLA like I'm still mad about it um so anyway it's been a minute while Oregon's been rebuilding the bullpen um but the battings kept them in it and they brought back everybody. They lost one of them who was their, their, their catcher. Um, but other than that, like it's the entire lineup, they brought in two transfers, both of whom seem to be batting very well. Um, but otherwise, I mean, it's super familiar, you know, like the entire lineup. Um, and so this game, uh, yeah, they're, they're batting lights out. I don't need to talk about that. You know, they run ruled them. Here's what is worth talking about. Uh, the bullpen. Mm-hmm. So last year, uh, one of the pitchers that they had on staff who we didn't get to see very much, but was she was a transfer from a lower division school, uh, was Elise Sokolowski. Um, we didn't get to see her that much. And we were like, what's going on? Is she being brought up to speed? You know, uh, was she a bust? Like, why didn't we see her at all? Well, she pitched basically this entire game. And she kicked ass. Like, she, I mean, she basically pitched a shutout. Like, and then to relieve her at the very end of the game, they brought in Stevie Hansen. Stevie Hansen, who, again, was the hero of the 2022 season, was the the goat oh wait i can't use that term (laughs) when i was coming up goat meant you were the the worst player on the team but now it means you're the best player like that that term's gone through a semantic reversal um uh anyway now that you uh, mention it i think i remember that i mean you were the goat if you were like the kicker who who missed the field goal at the very end but now yeah, you're now the it's an acronym time. for yep. greatest of all time yeah i know semantic reversals man uh anyway yeah so she was the one who lost oregon the indiana game by giving up like five runs in two innings so it was like oh stevie is there some problem well she comes in and relieves sokolowski and 
kicks ass against Missouri State. So, like, yeah, this is all great news. Oh, and and, and later on, we're going to talk about Sokolowski. I can't remember. Did she come in in one of the games that you covered? Um, Let me. Yeah, she did. She pitched uh, the LMU win. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So that's one of the things that we've been uh, that, that we're that the, the, one of the storylines is that potentially Oregon's bullpen might be the deepest bullpen in the country, like which is not exactly the same thing as saying that they've got the best pitcher or pitchers in the country, but but deepest in terms of having like probably five totally reliable pitchers which I can't, I don't think there's another team in the country that has five totally reliable country pitchers, you know, between Han, uh, Stevie Hansen, Morgan Scott, Reagan Breedlove, Elisa Glosky, and Taylor Spencer, like all five in, in the, in the two tournaments they've been to so far, it would appear that all five of those pitchers, including the true freshman, Taylor Spencer, all five of those appear to be highly reliable pitchers. Um, and several of them appear to be just straight up aces, uh, which would like, I, I mean, you're, you're cooking with gas. If you've got three, it'd be like in baseball, that's not nearly enough, but in baseball, you, you got to pull pitchers pretty fast in softball because of the nature of the throwing motion you can go a lot deeper um right that's one of the biggest differences in the game yeah 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 i I mean uh deeper i mean like a single pitcher can play a lot longer um and and can and and is ready to go um uh much sooner right Like, like you can pitch on friday and then pitch again on sunday um so like a lot of teams are like two pitcher teams um uh like they've got one ace who pitches on friday and sunday um and then their saturday pitcher is like not really as good and they don't even have a reliever um because like they 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 don't have the like they just don't have the ponies do you know to go any deeper or if oregon seriously has five which it appears that they do it means that like they can they can relieve each other and they, and like something can go wrong in the plan, right? Like somebody can have an off night. That's not like not part of the plan. And it's like, this is fine. You know, we can get some, you know, we, we got somebody else, right? Like I can't, I mean, I've, I don't think I've ever encountered a softball team that went five deep of reliable pitchers. Um, so yeah. So, so that was cool to see out of Missouri State. Okay, let's start talking about Missouri State. The next game they play is against Clemson. Clemson was the number five team in the country. Uh, it's a very impressive team. And this is kind of crazy to say, but like probably Oregon's most impressive performance in Clearwater was the loss to Clemson because it was a two to three loss it, it, and like super competitive. I would definitely agree with that. I mean, if you're if you're Oregon, you don't, if you're the Oregon softball team, you're beyond moral victories, but sometimes, you know, close games like this can sometimes essentially be considered a draw in the grand scheme of things. And you just hope that you win at least as many of them as you lose. And in this case, you're taking on the number five team in the country. 
your pitchers are keeping you in the game. You're not producing the kind of offense you're used to, but this is Clemson, so you wouldn't expect to run rule them, obviously. And honestly, this game might have gotten to extra innings, except uh, there was a runner stranded on third base in in the second. Yeah, and that that yeah. sticks in your craw because that's an opportunity. That's a golden opportunity that you let slip through your fingers. But if that's the difference between taking the number five to overtime, then you still got a darn good team that you can feel good about. Yeah, and I also think it was really interesting with the pitcher selection was, you know, uh, Morgan Scott, who I think is the best pitcher that Oregon has, you know, pitched a really good game. You know, she pitched five innings, you know, only gives up seven hits, uh, gets five strikeouts, right, on 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 24 batters faced, right? Yeah. Um, and the reliever that they bring in was Taylor Spencer, the, the true freshman. You know, I really think that's interesting. Um, the, uh, um, uh, you know, the, the, you're right about runners in scoring position. It was, I, I I don't know. Like, I mean, Clemson stranded more like (laughs) Clemson stranded five, you know, uh, whereas Oregon only stranded three, like, I don't know. It really is the case. The game could have gone uh, either way. Um, And, you know, uh, not neither team committed any errors. You know, Uh, I I don't know what else to say. But, oh, the only other thing I think is worth saying about this game is that Clemson destroyed every other team that they faced besides Oregon and one other team. You know what the one other team was? Indiana. Which they also ah, yes. beat three to two, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? Which is like part of my like. I really think whoever was doing the ranking and who left Indiana unranked was just really screwing up. Like yep. Indiana's like clearly one of the better teams in the country. Okay, so then uh, the next softball games that you covered were the 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 San Diego swing. Then the next weekend you got um, the second of the two LMU games. So the first two games that they played, like it was like the, 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 the airline lost Oregon's luggage that had their bats in it. Like they, they, they had like zero runs. No, they had like one run on three hits in their first two games. Like it was just like pathetic. They it was like, really they, inexplicable. I don't know if we're ever gonna have a rational explanation for that. Yeah. And uh, they didn't really hit very well on the third day either. But on the middle day, which was the day that you were covering, like they found their bats. Um Boy, did the, they. And so the the thing that was really, you know, particularly weird was that like LMU, Loyola Marymount beat them like four to zero or four to one the first time they played. And then the next time they played, Oregon run ruled them Mm -hmm. like eight to zero. Uh, And in the circle, Elise Sokolowski. Yeah. Uh, and then Taylor Spencer, who were like the two 
pitchers who I was most curious about this year. Like, you know, R- Reagan Breedlove, I figured was on a trajectory for improvement. Like, I, you know, there was a point in Breedlove's career where I was just like, please, God, do not let her pitch. Um, but she's, I, I think she's really grown into being a, a very reliable pitcher for Oregon. And, and I, I didn't have any doubts about that happening. And so, you know, I, I guess I did have my eye on that. But like the fact that it's happened hasn't surprised me at all i did simply because i had never seen them before i definitely wanted to see sokolowski and 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 of course spencer because she's a true freshman i literally had never seen her before and so those were the two i got to see in this game they i mean literally they didn't give up a single run um they the only get between the two of them they only gave up one walk uh you know got six strikeouts um uh, you know, only one extra base hit between the two of them, like really great pitching performance. Um, and again, against a team that the previous day had beat Oregon and scored four runs. Right. So like not a joke team. Right. Like, yeah. So no, I mean, you, our listeners may think Loyola Marymount. I couldn't find that on a map, and admittedly, I'd have to. Oh no, they're myself. a good, they're a good softball team. Yeah, yeah, but I, and even if you didn't didn't know their uh, their pedigree, the fact is they beat Oregon the the other times they played. So this this was an impressive performance to be able to uh, to come out and run rule this team. Uh, it'd be great if whatever bats they were using this day they could just keep those around yeah right but, uh we shall see yeah, maybe lightning hit the uh hit the the vein of bauxite from which the aluminum was smelted uh yeah, i was gonna try to compare to that old simpsons episode where homer carves his own bat but this is well, college they use i mean that's bats. a reference to the robert redford movie the natural in which it yeah. came from a tree did you not see that movie Ah, all right. I'll put it on my net on my on all my right. list. <laughs> all right. Um. So the 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 uh, in terms of the batting performance, which was really the turnaround. Um. The, the you know, I don't know how much there is to talk about in, in that. Like, I mean, Valerie Wrong was the was the big slugger. Um, you know, she, uh, uh, she hit a home run, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, you know, pushed it, you know, three RBI performance, you know, a 480 batting average. Um, uh, but be, it, it was a, you know, full team performance, you know, uh, 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 you know, Kylie Shar got on base, you know, basically, you know, every time, right. As she always does. Right. Like, uh, you know, I, I think, I think half the team had an RBI, you know, in this game, um, the, you know, Emma Koff, who, who transferred in to play a, a, a catcher, um, and who doesn't look like a catcher. I don't, understand but like it's fine like she uh uh yeah uh uh you know got two hits uh you know pushed in rbi uh uh you know Alyssa daniel the uh all reliable (laughs) Alyssa daniel you know one hit one run one rbi you know on a home run you know yeah 
you know, of course she did. Right. Uh, KK Humphreys actually, who's been in kind of a slump this year, honestly, like she's got the worst uh, batting average on the team, but this was her best game of the season. Uh, you know, two runs on two hits. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, Taya Bird, Paige Sinicki. Paige Sinicki is like the least sluggery of the team, um, but like pretty, but who's like improved her batting average the most um, since she was uh, 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 an, an underclassman now is an upperclassman is like much more consistently getting on base, although not really going yard. Like, yeah, everybody contributes. Yeah. Uh, there's not much to be, you know, there's no like storyline to focus in on on the hitting performance. Uh, it's just like they were connecting in this game and they couldn't hit the previous pitchers for LMU. So there, you know. Yeah, I'll, I'll confess that I don't follow softball closely enough to know uh, in depth about LMU's pitching staff, but maybe that was it. Maybe just this day, LMU, uh, we talked about the depth that Oregon has in their bullpen. Oh, LMU. no, that's absolutely it. Yeah. No, that that's yeah, absolutely it, it, This it. was it, the middle game, just like you were describing. So yeah, you know, they, you're up, they, you're up they against had the one... non-A team pitchers. Yeah, they, they had one ace who aced them in the first game, and then in this game, it's, you know... All, if you go, if you go pull up LMU's um if you go to LMU's website their their school website and you pull up their season long stats it's you know they're a one pitcher team um and uh, i mean that's what happens is that Oregon faced their ace the first day their ace aced them and then the next game they faced the rest of their bullpen Man. right and that's right. <laughs> and i mean yeah yeah i mean structurally it's not difficult to understand um it's just like look you know i i guess the, the sort of the lesson to take away is that like if oregon wants to get real deep into the world series and 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 beat some of the better teams in the pac-12 which like actually that second one may be more difficult <laughs> than the first one um like they got to be able to hit aces mm -hmm. right because uh, against clemson again i mean that was an impressive performance overall especially from the pitching staff uh and the defense holding a power team like clemson to only three runs but you got to be able to still find some production when you're up against uh elite pitchers if you're especially when you're i mean Stanford, UCLA, you were just talking yeah. about the depth in the Pac-12. Utah was really good I, last year. Yeah. I expect them to be good again. It's it's a murderer's row here on the West Coast. Yeah. So then the next game they face uh uh SDSU. The final score is 2 to 0. But I don't okay. I tell me if you disagree with this take Tristan. I don't really think that they faced an ace because like I, they got lots of hits. I like o o Oregon had two runs on seven hits and they stranded mm -hmm. four. Yeah. It was that they had a hard time. Like it, it was, it was just one of those games where they had a hard time stringing hits together successively to push folks home. 
And so it was a game in which like, I felt like the bats were functional and it was just like a, a lot of like, like they were in position multiple times where they could have broken the game open and it just eluded them. But like, I I was like, okay, uh, that happens sometimes. It's just going to have to be a game, you know, because of that fact, it's just going to have to be a game in which you win with defense and then Oregon won with defense. Morgan Scott pitched a complete game. She she pitched all seven innings. She only gave up two hits in the entire game. Um, Which is remarkable, yeah. So that's my take on this game. Do you think I got any of that wrong? Do you, do you disagree with any of that? I, I can't really disagree with any of that. Uh, when I was watching the game, I it was frustrating to see the number of times that uh, – folks were getting stranded on base but i certainly didn't get the impression that the bats were falling silent and looking at the stats i mean if you look again i mean cut uh luchar of course i mean like a, a over a four or five batting average this game yeah. because she's just a monster uh but then yeah we've got a few folks batting in the 200s but i'm seeing plenty of 300s 350s there's a 480 for wong uh, I mean, this is this is not a terrible. She's bat- really killing it in her last yeah. year, like so far. Like she's just, she's a real monster. Yeah, and I mean, uh, she got two hits, one of which was it was an extra ba- base hit on this. So she's she's definitely developed her power. But again, I mean, this is a really solid hitting performance. It's just the distribution of yeah. the hits was not conducive to getting people all the way around the bases. You would have liked to have maybe concentrated more of them in one or two innings just to get. It's more just it, like that just happens sometimes in the diamond sports like that. that Law like, of averages. You know? Yeah, it's just like, you know, like one if you if you get seven hits in the entire game, but they're all concentrated in a single inning. Oh man, you, you'll put up a bunch of runs, you know, whereas in a different game in which you get a dozen hits, but they're all distributed throughout the innings, you could, you could get skunked, right? Like it's just, you know, sometimes that happens like and and there's reason why like all the sabermetricians are just like look man just crank up your obp uh you know the 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 only like don't sweat stringing it together like there's it's just luck you know and and you can't control it all you can do is increase the volume of your on base percentage and and then just like let the chips fall and like this was just one of the games in which the chips weren't falling in a way that was conducive well that's why you need good pitching you know so that the you know when you got two runs in the fourth inning that those two runs were enough to win the game and that's exactly what happened because Morgan Scott is an ace. Exactly. I mean, we talked about the similarities between this softball team and the baseball team we covered earlier and that they're both very athletic and have solid power hitting. I think what differentiates this softball team is not only do they have a really deep pitching staff, but they've got at least one probably 
arguably more than one yeah. ace in this yeah. in this pitching staff. And exactly. Scott is definitely an ace. Yeah. Uh yeah, couldn't agree more. Okay. Uh let's take a break. When we come back, we'll talk some basketball. So you've covered uh, two different men's basketball games for the site since the last time we talked. Uh, you covered um, Oregon's loss at home to Washington State. Actually, pretty rare home loss. Um, Washington State turns out to be a pretty good team this year. They're actually the second uh, rated team in Ken Palm behind Arizona, um, the other team that Oregon has lost to at home. Um, uh, you know, in some ways I sort of felt like Oregon was in a position where they could have won this game. Um, like, like, you know, the, the, the final score is lost by six points at times. It looked like Oregon was getting run out of the building at other times. I felt like Oregon was in a position that they might've won this game. But like the thing that just struck me more than anything else was just like, like, Oh my God, Oregon's hands were just like so cold. Like, I mean, just like, oh, they couldn't hit a shot. Like, they shot 36% from the floor. They were 22% from beyond the arc. I, th- I, th- w- what was it? They missed their first 10 shots from th- three point land. It, w- it was pretty ridiculous. This was an odd game watching it because Oregon had gone out to Pullman and had come away with a win never easy to do in pullman and where they were nuclear hot well yeah where that was just a game where uh yeah again it was like you know we're talking old 90s references again you know uh nba jam he's on fire everybody was on fire and then this game it was just one of those nights where they just could not buy a bucket and i remember watching it it just never it felt like they were chasing washington state the whole time yeah, they could close the gap for a while, but it always felt like it was more Washington State's game to lose than it was Oregon's to win. And I think that just comes down to some nights you're just going to be cold from the floor. And this was a bad night to be cold from the floor. I mean, the the thing that was like, okay, uh, there's a lot of folks who like make fun of Oregon like defensively. I don't think it's appropriate they like they pick out uh, i think dana altman does a really good job of identifying which players and which strategy the opposing offense is going to want to funnel it to and then taking that away and then he sort of like lets the chips fall Mm -hmm. how they're gonna given that he's shorthanded and doesn't really, I mean, he has like eight scholarship players at this point. He's like, right. they don't have Zerzuela. They don't have Biddle. He hasn't had Dante for much of the season. They don't have uh, Bartholomew. Um, uh, uh, they don't have Mookie Cook. Like he's not playing with a full hand. And if somebody's not shooting well, he doesn't have an option to rotate them out. Like he's got to play the guys that he's got to play. Um, the fact that he's probably going to win 20 games this year yet again, like in my mind, cements him as a Hall of Fame coach, you know, given how shorthanded he is. And yet I keep reading in different forums, like people calling for him to be fired. And I'm just like, you are the stupidest people alive. Um, anyway, 
I, I felt like given how super hot Miles Rice has been, they did a really good job of containing him. The dude shoots six for 15 from the floor, one for five from three-point range. They do have to wind up fouling him. This was something I was sort of like pissy about Pac-12 refs about, you know, so he winds up going to the charity stripe 11 times and he makes eight of 11 of his free throws. Washington State's a little lucky from beyond the arc. You know, they shoot five for 12 from beyond the Uh, you know, eight for 14 um, from the charity stripe, which is not good free throw shooting, you know, make your free throws guys like that's, you know, in a game that they lose by six points, they missed six free throws and, and Wazoo got, you know, one more three pointer than statistically, you know, is to be expected in a game in which Oregon was shooting 36% from the floor, right? For as cold as Oregon's hands were, their defensive strategy worked. And like, if they could just make their free throws, they're in the game, right? Or if they were like, not as cold as ice, right? Like if they shot 40% from the floor instead of 36% from the floor, they win this game. Yeah. I I mean, that's, that's like Oregon was like, that's what's crazy about this game is that you're, we were watching this game and you're just like, this sucks. This sucks. This sucks. If statistically they played just a little closer to nominal, this is their game to win. Like that's what drives me nuts about it in a game in which they have eight scholarship players. Yeah. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth because like I said, uh, my initial feelings when watching the game were it, it just looks like Washington state's in control here. And unless they somehow go to sleep, Oregon can't keep up with them. But then you look at the numbers and The reason that was true is just that, you know, Oregon's only got eight scholarship players and everyone went cold on the same night. And you're still you still only lose the game by six points. And, you know, what do we talk about every time we talk about basketball? What is the great equalizer in basketball? Take it to the iron and make your free throws. Well, they didn't do a terrific job of getting fouled. They only attempted 14 but then they only made eight of them. So if you're going to criticize anything, you can say, hey, make your make, free throws, guys. Make your free throws, you know. I mean, there's no, like, real terrible offender. I mean, Cousinard missed both of his, but I don't know. I I, I would have liked taking him to the iron more, but you know what I really would have liked more? I mean, really, this is what... I mean, really, what there is to talk about is... It, a... Brennan Rigsby has to be on the floor. That's a result of the injury situation. If Bartholomew, Biddle, Zarzuela, or Cook is available, if any of those four guys are available, then Rigsby's on the bench because Rigsby's a bench guy. Right. Or a, a rotational player at best. So he's one for eight from the floor, including one for five from beyond the arc. Because, like, 
I, you know, I don't know what possessed him in Pullman where like that dude couldn't miss, but ever since that game, like he's, he hasn't been able to make a shot. And the fact that Altman's been forced to play him because of the injury situation is like, that's a big part of what's killing the team. Like pull up his stats since Pullman, he's shooting like 20% from it's just, it's pathetic how badly Rigsby is shooting. Oh, and he's a huge defensive liability too. It's, and it's just like, I'm, I'm sorry. Like he's, like he shouldn't be on the floor um but he has to be because they don't because they're down all the dudes who would replace him and then and then and then you have sort of so that's number one is rigsby number two is dudes can get cold but you should expect dudes to get cold. But what you shouldn't expect is for there to be a bunch of injuries. So you can't rotate cold dudes out for guys who might be hotter. So like in this game, Oquendo has one of his tip, you know, where the dude either gets 15 points or gets zero points. Oh, right. well, this is one of his zero point games. Right. Well, yep. except you can't rotate him out. He gets, he plays 12 minutes and gets zero points. Well, uh oh, right. You know, Jadrian Tracy gets 10 points on three for seven shooting. <sighs> Can't rotate him out because you don't have a choice. Kwame Evans, who I think is coming back, like he was he was valuable and then he was not valuable. And this is part of the and, and like in we're we're about to talk about a game, the Oregon State game, in which he becomes like super valuable. And I really think he's on the upswing, but like this is part of the this is part of the the pendulum is still on the low point of the swing. And so like yeah, and you know, Kuznard leads the scorers, you know, with 16 points, but that's on seven of 17 shooting, you know, and he gets in foul trouble, so he has to be on the bench for a little while, right? So that's okay. In, in Folly Dante, we should. Uh, we've gone a while without talking about In Folly Dante. In Folly Dante, he's fantastic. Yay, In Folly Dante. Okay. Yay, he's back and he's playing well. Okay, yes, continue. Yeah, super well. He gets a lot of rebounds, right? He, you know, dominant in the paint. Yeah, he's great. Point number three Jackson Shellset. Oh my God, Jackson Shellset. Oh my God, three of 12 from the floor. Like, are you, like, dude. And I mean, like, and, and this was in the middle of this, like, I don't know what it was, like three games. Like he goes down to L.A. and he plays against USC and he plays really well. And then he plays three games in which, like against UCLA, against Wazoo, against Washington, where he plays real bad. Like he just can't find his shot. It's, it's just pathetic that he can't, he can't find a shot at all. And I, I I calculated on some other podcast, but it was like over those three games, he's he, like his shooting percent or something like 15 percent. It was just like, oh, my God. yeah, yeah, it was just like it was just gross. Um, And so <clears throat> so you have like those three problems, right? The Shellstad problem, the Rigsby problem and the guys being cold, but not able to rotate them out problem. And so that's how you get like 36% shooting. Dana Altman wouldn't tolerate 36% shooting if he had a full hand. He's not a moron, right? Yeah. Like he's a Hall of Fame coach 
He knows how to read a box score. He knows when his dudes were cold, he would rotate dudes out, except he can't, right? Like the dude he would rotate somebody out for would be like Mo Diawara, who's not a shooter, right? You mm-hmm. know, like he's a defensive. It's just like he's not playing with a full hand. Like, I don't understand why fans who are like, we need to fire Dana Altman, like can be so stupid and not like, like literally if you're calling for Dana Altman's head, you are a moron. Like you, you like, I can't believe how stupid you are. Like, the, and not recognizing what's going on. Um, Yeah. Okay, because in a game in which, you know, Washington State goes through stretches in which they can't miss and Oregon, it has like hands of ice. They're still in a position where like just all it takes is like a slightly better statistical performance and they win this like make your free throws and Wazoo like isn't five for 12 from beyond the arc and Oregon wins this game. Like that's how well Dana Altman like managed this. Like, uh, okay. Did anything else you want to add before we move off this game? Uh, just that I would add that uh, not just on managing this game, but let's take the season as a whole where all these injuries are happening. This game was for second place and Oregon is still in third place at this point. Yeah. So when you look at the season as a whole, I, you've got to say you've got to grade this on a curve with the injury situation. So, yes, it was disappointing to lose, but don't don't let that a, after you get over the disappointment, try and try and look at the whole the whole picture. So, uh, Oregon takes on Oregon State. Uh, Oregon State and Gill Coliseum was going for the Grand Slam uh, because the women's team had won both of their games. The uh, the men's team had, for some reason, played Arizona State. I don't understand how that worked, but they beat them. Uh, and so, they, you know, had they beat Oregon, they would have gotten the Grand Slam and Gill. Uh, the last two games that Oregon State played against Oregon, uh, and Gill, you know, went down to literally the last shot. And this one did too. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I, I will admit when I was watching this game, I, I, I jumped out my chair and screamed Dante. When oh, he yeah. That thing with 0.7 seconds left on the, <laughs> on the clock. Like I, emotion overcame me (laughs) absolutely this is one of the most dramatic basketball games i can remember in quite some time because this was uh as you said at the beginning there are so many sports happening right now that especially on the weekends those of us who are covering were often you know jumping from one event to the other and sometimes things are overlapping so for part of this game i was always paying attention but at times it looked like oregon was kind of on cruise control and i check a few other things trying to do a little copy editing yada 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 but then as you know uh oregon state hit a hot streak in their shooting uh in the second half and they started just chipping away chipping away chipping away and there were some handling issues that also let let the beavers back in the game there were there were some errors on oregon's oh yeah definitely uh, but then it comes down to the very end and you're all tied up and you got to get a score and you don't want to score too quickly, but you got to get it. And then to have Nfale Dante, who 
you know, we all love that he's back from injury and starting to round into form. Not not just make the winning bucket, the slam dunk with points. Well, and the seconds. and the dish to him like yeah. was so smart. Like instead of trying to go for the contested layup, the the last the last did like oh it's so sweet. Yeah. I like the end of game management stuff, like I did I I, I do sort of agree with the criticism that Oregon was putting the brakes on a little too early, but ultimately I still agreed with the strategy of putting on the brakes. Um because the the overriding there are two overriding statistical facts about this game number one is that uh oregon ridiculously out rebounded oregon state that was um, the difference <laughs> yeah um uh, uh, particularly o- offensive rebounds um like uh uh and and the final stats don't quite show it because like the last like four or five minutes of the game uh you know oregon state was finally starting to get some rebounds and since they're caught up in that number but like um for for almost the entirety of the game it was like oregon was virtually guaranteed second or third shots and oregon state like they got one shot and they were done. Um, so that's number one. Number two is uh, nobody in this game could make a three pointer. Like I don't, there was some like crazy cloud in, in Gil Coliseum. So uh, uh, Oregon state was two for 18 from beyond the arc. Uh, Oregon was two for 19. Like, I'm not, I mean, these teams combined to go four for 37, four for 37. From I hadn't, I hadn't added all that together, but that's even more ridiculous than the individuals. That's yeah. Yeah. Like is bad. And so, you know, given that it was that neither team could was able to quickly flip the score, like change the score because like nobody could make a three point, you know, and you know, you would have to charge the rim. Um, and that Oregon state, their bigs, uh, uh, Oregon state didn't have bigs with muscle, right? Like the closest thing that they had to, to a big was Shaw Marial, um, who, first of all got into a little bit of early foul trouble he he got three fouls um it didn't wind up limiting him later in the game but he he you know he he did wind up only playing about 27 minutes you know in this um and he just can't muscle his way in so like that he was limited to nine points you know in this game that look man in a game in which and like one of them was a three pointer, which was like a freak shot, right? right. Like <laughs> one of their two, let me repeat that one of their two three pointers came from their seven footer hitting a freak shot. Yep. He was one for one from three point range. Right. <laughs> uh, from their seven footer that was yeah. essentially unguarded because. <laughs> 
why would you ever guard a seven footer you know pulling up for yeah so like um so that was a that was a defensive choice right mm -hmm. because the real defensive choice in this game was to take away jordan pope mm -hmm. you know it was collapse zone on jordan pope all game long and jordan pope shot four for 17 including zero for seven from three-point range which is why oregon won this game they took away their best player and then they took away their outlet who's dexter Acano, uh and and limited that guy to four for ten they made their outlet uh to tyler Billado, who's a tall guy and who did get 12 you know points on six for 11 shooting right because he can sort of like do that that kind of like floater jump thing um but they kept pushing him out to three-point range so he attempted a bunch of three-point shots well guess what happens to three-point shots in this game nobody's making them. they go nowhere he missed every single one of the three-point shots that he attempted because dana altman knows what he's doing again i must emphasize if you were one of the people participating in one of the many oregon forums many dana altman should be fired threads you were a stupid person no it was a it was a terrific defensive game plan and it worked well it it just so happened that nobody could make a three tonight. I mean, you talk about the defensive game plan uh, and how, and then you also talked about how Oregon State doesn't have any really muscly big folks. Well, Oregon State. Yeah, Oregon State doesn't have any really muscly big folks. Well, guess what Oregon has now that Infale Dante's healthy? Right. And guess who led the Ducks in scoring? Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, they, they couldn't do anything about Infale Dante, right? He was 9 for 13. You no, know, they just didn't have points. anyone who could match And who was making his free throws. Yeah, 4-7. 4-7. Yeah, all right. All right. All right. Um, and the other story, that, which I really liked, like I really liked to see. Uh, oh, wait, hold on. Let me cover some other stuff first. Brennan Rigsby, 0 for 6. Kerry yeah. Oquendo, yet another one of his. If he's not scoring 15, he's scoring zero. Zero points. Zero. Uh, uh, Jadron Tracy's, you know, if he shoots 50%. I wish he would have shot more. You know, I wish he was taking the shots that for some reason uh, 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 Rigsby was getting. Yeah. Um. Um. Uh, this is kind of weird. Kwame Evans uh, only got two points on one for four shooting, but I think that Kwame Evans played a really good game. Actually, I'll, I'll stop for a second. D what do you think about that assertion? I think he was a really good like defensive player. I think he was really valuable for all the rebounds. Uh, he got two steals in this game. Yeah. Um, all that is really valuable. I must admit, I was hesitating there because I didn't remember him very much. And then, but that's because he was only on the floor for 15 minutes because he got into some foul trouble there. That's true. So, but when he was able to be on there, he wasn't scoring, but he was doing a lot of the other stuff you really needed. 
I mean, this was a game. I mean, honestly, like I would have liked to see more of Kwame Evans and I would have liked to see more uh, shots being taken. But I mean, he played the entire game, so I can't say I wouldn't have liked to see more of him. But like I would have liked to see more shots taken by Jadrian Tracy and I would have liked to see less of uh, Brian Rigsby. But again, going back like this was a game in which they had to play two different walk ons. Right. Yeah. You know, where they though the commentators couldn't shut up about, you know, Gabe Reichel or, or I don't even know. He's a beaver like uh, and, and, and James Cooper, uh, you know, got minutes. Right. Like, you know, they had to play 10 minutes of, of Mo Diwara, who, of course, you know, ain't going to shoot like, uh, you know, because that, that's where they're, you know, because they don't have Biddle, because they don't have Cook, because they don't have uh, Zarzuela, because they don't have Keyshawn Bartholomew. Like, ugh. anyway. <clears throat> so, having said all that, uh, what I really liked to see was Jackson Shellstad. Mm-hmm. 15 points, 7 of 12 shooting. And most importantly, it wasn't like 20 foot jumpers. Now I didn't like that. He was jacking up threes and missing them, but I did like that. He didn't seem to like, he he felt like he had his confidence back in that. He was like, okay, drive to the iron and get layups. Like he was doing that all game long. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and he was dishing of course, because he's a, he's a true point guard. So, yeah. Uh, I hadn't been assigned to some of the other men's uh, basketball games where he had that uh, that really, really tough streak down in L.A. So I hadn't seen where he was coming from. But based on your description, yeah, it's really great to see Jackson shells that uh, coming more into his own, because especially as a freshman. Well, obviously, with only eight scholarship players, everyone's got to contribute. I mean, the fact of the matter is you really can't afford to have many people have an off night and you certainly can't afford to have them have more than one off night in a row. So that's great to see as we start heading into the home stretch here. So here's the thing about how the end of the game goes, um, you know, where Oregon state gets it close. Let me just, let me just recite some numbers and uh listener. You can make the inference for me. Uh, End of the game. Uh, like this is, I'm not joking about this. This is uh, all of this takes place in the last, uh, da, 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 the last six minutes and 54 seconds of the game. Uh, uh, for Oregon State, Jordan Pope uh, uh, attempts and makes two free throws. Dexter Cano attempts and makes uh, two free throws. Uh, Michael Rotage uh, uh, attempts five, makes four free throws. Uh, Shaul Marial uh, attempts four, makes two free throws. T- 10 for 13 free throws uh, in the last six minutes, 54 seconds. Oregon, the entire night. In Folly Dante, as we already mentioned, four for seven free throw shooting because of course he is, he's getting fouled a lot he's that's what he does man you know yeah. he's, he's under the basket Jermaine Cousinard uh, uh, attempts three uh, makes two free throws you want to know uh, how many other free throws Oregon made uh, 
I'm looking at the box score. I think that was it. Oregon didn't make any other free throws because Oregon didn't attempt any other free throws. Oh, that's right. No other player for the Oregon Ducks went to the charity stripe. So you want to know how Oregon State got the game close? It was because if Oregon breathed on the Beavers, uh, they were shooting free throws. But the Beavers got to do whatever the hell they wanted, and the refs swallowed their whistles. Now, you can, maybe you think that that, you know, hey, they got all of those calls correct, and Oregon was just, uh, you know, uncontrollable out there. And undisciplined. And that that's on Dana Altman. Gosh, why can't he control his players? And and Wayne Tinkle's a hell of a coach, you know, who who made all the right calls and, and coaches a bunch of disciplined dudes who just are, in know, innocent place. as angels and do nothing but get hacked at the end of the game. Um, or maybe you believe something else about Pac-12 refs. Yeah. Uh, that one's up to you, listener. And and maybe we'll just wrap it up there. <laughs> Tristan, you got any parting words of wisdom for us? Uh, well, as I mentioned, it can be kind of chaotic for our writers at this time of year because there's so many sports to cover, but we like it. We'd rather have too many sports to cover than not enough. So bring it on. And uh, listeners out there, there's always something going on these weeks. So stay on that. Yeah, uh, you'll be <laughs> if you, you think this is hectic now. Yeah, yeah, wait till June in the the middle of the doldrums. The oh, uh, yes. yeah, the the days are real long in June. Uh, the sun comes glaring at you hard. Uh, I think Andrew Lloyd Webber uh, wrote a musical about this. Well, <laughs> cheery thought. All right. Uh, that'll do it for us this week. Uh, thanks everybody for joining us. I, I hope th- you are putting up, um, with the dark days of February, uh, as well as you might. Uh, but of course it never rains on this podcast. <laughs>